Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. To make sure you never miss an episode, I encourage you to follow the podcast using your favorite podcast software. Today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, is presented in honor of a very special birthday. And today we honor the birthday of my son, Elijah Graham, who is a year old today. No doubt we are going to be enjoying some appropriate celebrations today. Now it's time for Friday episodes of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. And we're going to be bringing you the Molly K. Matter episodes 3 through 5. And the original air dates, October 12th to October 14th, 1955. From Hollywood, it's time now for Bob Bailey as... Johnny Dollar. Guess who, Johnny? Lou. Lou Tang. When they told me you had called, my heart jumped and beat faster. It has been a long time. Too long. Hey, look, I want to see you, Lou. Where are you? They only gave me a phone number. It's a waterfront bar, foot of Drum Street, Sailor's Hangout. Then I'll call a taxi. No, I'll wait be... there. I've got a drunk on my hands. Well, get rid of him or of her. Can't do it, honey. This is a valuable drunk. You wait. I'll get there as soon as I can. And look, will you do me a favor, Lou? Anything you want, Johnny. Uh, well, there's a man named Benny Wong. I think he's been hiding out in Chinatown for the last two days. Can you find him for me? So that is why you're here. The sinking of the Marley K. That's right, Lou. Too bad, Johnny. I'm sorry to hear that. Awfully sorry. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Francisco, to the Home Office, Marine and Maritime Casualty Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Molly K matter. Expense account continued. Item five, $11 even. Drinks. Consumed by one Josiah Hawkins, able-bodied seaman. Last berth, ship's carpenter on the freighter Molly K. And Hawkins was scared. Scared half to death. So the fear worked against the liquor, and the drinks weren't doing much good. Who was you talking to on the phone? A friend. You say anything about me? About me being with you? Nope. How about another drink, Mr. Hawkins? I had enough. What's the name of your friend, Mr. Dollar? Oh, you wouldn't know her. Just a girl I know here in town. Oh, a girl. Mr. Hawkins... Did Bill Mack have a girl? Yes, he got himself engaged to a girl. I know what you're aiming at, Mr. Dollar. You're trying to play on my sympathy. He was your friend. That he was. One of the best. And now he's dead. Drowned in the Pacific when the Molly Kay went down. Whoever sank her is responsible for his death. You can help me if you would. It wouldn't bring him back. I gotta think of myself. You're in more danger before you talk than you'd be afterwards. The whole idea is to keep you from talking. Huh? 
Sure, there's sense in that, all right. Somebody shot at you out there on the docks, tried to kill you. You'll never be safe as long as they're running loose. Well, Mr. Hawkins? The Molly Kay was sunk deliberate. We're sure of that, all of us that was aboard her. Things just wasn't right even before it happened. What things? Well, that fire, for one, ten days ago, the first time we started out for Yokohama. Bill Mack was the one that discovered it. Did Mack think the fire had been set? That he did. He told the captain that. And you know what happened, Mr. Dollar? What happened? Captain Brawley knocked him down the bridge ladder. Told him to keep his mouth shut and not go around spreading wild rumors. All right. The second time you sailed, what happened? Well, as soon as we cleared the gate and headed out to sea, Bill and me was on watch. He had me cover for him while he sneaked down in the hold to see what he could find out. He still hadn't come back when it happened. I think you was right, Mr. Dollar, what what you said at the hearing. What do you mean? We didn't hit no derelict. An explosion, that's what it was. In the bottom of the forward hold somewhere. I was on the bow deck right above it when it happened. What about that Chinese steward? The one who got ashore and then disappeared? Did you notice anything special about him? Benny Wong? Yeah. No. We was only a couple of hours out of port. I don't even remember seeing him. One thing, though, that seemed kind of funny at the time. What was that? The first mate done all the hiring for this trip, same as always, just one exception. Benny Wong was hired on by Captain Brawley himself. Uh-huh. And something else, Mr. Dollar, about Bill Mack being drowned. He was wrong about that. Bill Mack is alive? No. No, he was dead before the Molly Kay ever sunk. What? I went looking for him as soon as it happened. And I found him down on the lower boat deck, lying in a pool of blood. Somebody cut his throat. I'll have another drink now. I sat there looking at him across the table, not saying anything. There was nothing I could say. Bill Mack had been his friend. I thought over what he just told me, tried to fit it in with what I already knew. It didn't add up to an answer yet. Not quite. But it was close. And it was getting closer all the time. Mr. Dollar, it's him. Huh? Captain Brawley over there. He just come in. Yeah, he's seen us too. He's coming over this way. I gotta get out of here. Sit down, Mr. Hawkins. He won't start anything. You don't know him. You don't know how he is when he gets mad. No, but it looks like I'm gonna find out. Well, Hawkins, seems like you're not very particular about the company you keep. Neither am I, Captain. Pull up a chair. What are you up to, Dollar? Offering him a bribe to testify against me? Don't need to. There's enough against you already. Yeah, there will be, more than likely, when you and them smart company lawyers get through. You insurance people are all alike. You're right there to collect when it's due you, but you squirm when it comes to paying off. Well, now, that depends on the circumstances, Captain, and in this case, well, I wouldn't go spending that money yet if I were you. That's what you've been telling them, huh? When I've got anything to tell, I'll tell it to the court. Yeah, along with anybody else you can turn against me. Like my own daughter, for instance. She even sneaked around and tried to turn her against me. Not that that took much doing. And Dean Sutton, owner of the cargo. But there's a limit to what a man will take, Dollar. And I took enough already. Now you better quit pushing me. I'm warning you. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, take your warning and stick it where it'll do the most good. You've been trying to block every attempt I've made to get to the bottom of this thing. You've dragged your feet every step of the way deliberately. Dollar, nobody talks to me like that. Then it's time somebody did. I think you're in this thing right up to your big fat neck. And if you are, I'm going to pin it on you. Not just for swindling. If you are behind the sinking of the Molly K, I'm going to see to it that you stand trial for murder, too. I warned you once. Look out, Mr. Dollar. Oh, no. oh, all right, Captain. Learn it the hard way. <laughs> Watch out, he's grabbing the bottle. Oh. Come and get it, Dollar! Sorry, the party's over right now. You better get out of here, Hawkins. He's not going to feel very friendly when he comes to. You're the only man I ever seen stand up to him, Mr. Dollar. There was one other one. Bill Mack. I left Captain Brawley lying there on the floor. They were throwing water on him when I walked out. I hadn't wanted the fight, but there'd been no choice. And it had given me one new fact to fit in. The captain's coat fell open when he hit the floor. And I saw he was packing a gun. Expense account, item six, 80 cents. A taxi fare to Chinatown and a rendezvous with Lu Tang. Shanghai Lu. A strange woman, this one. Wise, shrewd, and alert. Hard and tough when she feels that way. Soft as a kitten when she feels that way. Her nationality, history, age, nothing certain about any of that. But there's one thing that is certain. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever known. It is good to see you, Johnny. How long has it been? Last year, Lou, in Paris. How could you forget? I didn't forget. I only wanted to see if you had. Kiss me, Johnny. Oh, oh. <clears throat> I uh, came here to talk business. Oh, business. I don't feel like talking business. Simmer down, baby. Let's get married. All right. But first, when? let's uh, tomorrow. Now, if Why you'll... not tonight? It's too late. We'd have to wake somebody up. Always problems, reasons. I don't think you even want to marry me. Sure I do. I've been mad, too, for years. Then why didn't you in Paris? Oh, it's no time to go into that again. Look, I'm on a case, a rough one. And it's just possible that you may be mixed up in it. Johnny, I did not sink the Molly case, so there you are. That takes care of the business. Let's get married. Will you sit back down there? That does not take care of the business. What more do you want to know? Several things. Benny Wong, for instance. That man you asked me about? Yeah, they said he went down with the Molly K, but I found out different from one of the crew. I have not found Benny yet, but I have people looking, so... Why don't you and I... Lou, I've known you too long. You're not fooling me. Fooling you? The patter is good, but it's not covering the fact that you're bothered. You've always bothered me, Johnny. That's not it. How do you figure in this thing, Lou? I don't really know what you mean by this thing, Johnny. You had a pretty heavy stake in the Molly K. A $100,000 mortgage loaned to Captain Brawley. A sound business deal, that's all. I have investments in many ships that sail out of San Francisco. Ah, and of course the investment was covered by insurance. Naturally. I made sure of that before I advanced the loan. Don't let the soft brown eyes fool you, Johnny. I'm a hard-headed businesswoman. Yeah, I know. It was a business deal, nothing else. Showed every chance of being a profitable voyage. He was carrying a cargo of wheat. The Tokyo grain market has been advancing steadily for three months. As to what happened... I don't know anything about it. 
I don't understand it. That's straight, Johnny. That's all I know. What about this fellow, Dean Sutton? Do you know him, Lou? I've met him. I understand he's engaged to Captain Brawley, daughter. But beyond the... Pardon me a moment. I'll see who it is. The visitor was a young Chinese lad. She stepped outside to talk to him, and I lit a cigarette and waited for her. I thought over what she'd said, tried to see behind it, and to decide whether to believe it or not. Lu Tang was not a person you could push. I stood up when she came back into the room. You're not leaving, Johnny. Yeah, I think I'd better. But you'll see me tomorrow? You know I will. What if I were mixed up in this? Would you send me to jail? You know the answer. Yes. And you're the only man I know who would. I'd be gentle about it, though. I think you really would. You're sweet, Johnny. Awfully sweet. I'm a doll. I've made up my mind to take no part in this, to stay completely out of it. But I'm going to tell you something. What do you mean? That man who just came to the door... I've had him out looking for Benny Wong. Has he found him? Not yet. But he's found out something about him. Johnny, if the Malike was sunk on purpose, how do you think it was done? By an explosion in the bottom of the fort hold. Hmm. Benny Wong was a demolition sergeant during World War II. He's rather well known as an expert on explosives. <laughs> Johnny Duller. Hi, Johnny. Dan McKay, Harbor Police. Dan, I was planning to drop by and see you about the sinking of the Molly Kay, but I've uh, been pretty busy since I got here. Yeah, so I've heard. Johnny, you're under arrest. What did I do? Park in a red zone, walk on the grass? I'm not kidding. I mean it. Well, what's the charge? Well, let's see. Uh, assault and battery, aggravated assault, assault with intent to do bodily injury. Hold it, Dan. That's then... enough. But you want to know who signed it? I already know. That's practically an admission of guilt, you know that. But I've got witnesses. So has he. Huh? I think you'd better come down and talk about it. Or you'll send out the wagon, is that it? I'm serious, Johnny. All right, Dan, I'll be down. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Francisco, to the Home Office Marine and Maritime Casualty Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Molly K matter. Expense account continued. Item 7, a mere 60 cents. Taxi from my hotel to the foot of Market Street and headquarters of Inspector Dan McKay in charge of Harbor Police. I'd known Dan for years, well enough to realize that knowing him wouldn't make any difference. Not when he had a warrant to serve. I knew the charge wouldn't stick, of course, but it could slow me down. And I figured that was exactly why it had been filed. You may be right, Johnny. Maybe Captain Brawley did file charges just for nuisance value. Keep you out of his way for a day or two. That's exactly what he did. Nevertheless, the charge was filed, and a warrant has been issued. So what are you going to do about it? I know what I'd like to do about it. Uh-uh. That's against the law, too. You know, you could be wrong, Johnny. 
Brawley may not be guilty of the Molly case sinking. I told you the whole story, Dan. The facts add up. What do you think? I think you've got an awful strong case, but it's still based on circumstantial evidence. Well, what else is there to base it on? The rest of the evidence is out past the harbor there, out beyond the Golden Gate, a mile below the surface of the Pacific. Yeah, yeah, I know. Most of the cases we handle here in the Harbor Division are like that. Well, then you can see the problem I'm up against. Yeah, I can see it all right. That's a big harbor out there, Johnny. Biggest natural harbor in the world. A lot of square miles of water. A lot of miles of shoreline. And a lot of ways of covering up a crime. As far as disposing of physical evidence, it's true. Body can be thrown into the bay, a weapon, so on. Sometimes we recover it, sometimes we don't. It's tough, Johnny. Yeah, I imagine. Real tough. Hey, that's the SS Maritonia, arriving from Ceylon, Java, the Philippines. She'll dock at Pier 14. The cargo is probably spices, mahogany, raw ore. Nice-looking ship. Beautiful. They drive me crazy, Johnny, watching them here from the window. I should have gone to sea. Oh, well. Anyway, since we don't have physical evidence in a lot of cases, we've learned to rely on other things. Such as? The human elements, Johnny. You've turned up a lot of facts, true. You've made a good deal more progress on this case than I have. Than you have? What do you mean? Tim O'Rourke sent me the report of the inquiry board. I've been working on the case ever since. Now, uh, you've got a pretty convincing bunch of facts. But I know Captain Brawley, by reputation at least. Look, Dan, I know what you're getting at. People who know Brawley think he's honest. O'Rourke said the same thing. Right. Tough, hard, violent temper, a slave driver but not a crook. An honest man can get under pressure sometimes, get pushed beyond his depth. It happens every day. Yeah, yeah, but Johnny, even then, he reacts according to his pattern. Here's what I'm getting at. That murder on board the Molly Kay just before she sank, you said Hawkins told you the man had been knifed. Now, I can see Brawley slugging somebody with fist, club, or, or bottle, or even shooting a man. But not a knife. Not in his nature. That's what I mean by human elements. And you're right, Dan. I agree with you. I don't think it was Brawley who killed him. Here's the way I see it. Brawley was pressed for cash. The mortgage on his ship was due in 30 days. He was carrying that grain for Dean Sutton on a contingency basis. He might not make any money, or at least not enough. He was probably doing it as a favor to his daughter. She and Dean Sutton are engaged. Yeah, I know, So the first time out, he tried setting that fire on board. It didn't work. One of the crew, Bill Mack, discovered it before it got started. The Molly Kay returned to port and Brawley filed an insurance claim. Then he got scared off an investigation and withdrew it. That's all guesswork, Johnny. So far, his second attempt, he contacted an expert on explosives, Benny Wong. And Benny pulled off the job for him, blew the bottom out of the ship and sank it. And what about the knifing? Well, Bill Mack was suspicious. He was prowling around the hold and caught Benny in the act of setting the explosive. Benny killed him figuring the sinking would cover for him. But by accident, Hawkins stumbled onto the body before the ship went down. Well, that adds up, Johnny. It's hard to argue with you. I just can't see a captain sinking his own ship. It's been done before. Yeah, I know. Not everybody feels about them the way you do, Dan. And a half million is a lot of money. That's true. But 25 years of command means a lot, too. 
deep sense of responsibility, integrity. Oh, pardon me. Inspector McKay. Oh, yeah. Just a moment. It's for you, Johnny. It was Lou Tang, Shanghai Lou. She'd called the hotel and found out where to reach me. For once, she didn't try to play games. She spoke briefly and straight to the point. And she told me what I wanted to know the most. When I hung up, I knew I was on the last lap. I had the case right in my hand. Well, what's up, Johnny? What is it? Dan, how would you like to come along and talk to the man who blew up the Molly Kay? Item 8, 80 cents, another taxi, a short run from the foot of market to Fisherman's Wharf. Lu Tang's spies had told her Benny Wong was holed up in a back room of the Fa Song Fish Company out on the docks. And they said he was scared, armed, and dangerous. There's the Fa Song layout, Johnny. Right there, the warehouse on the end. Yeah. Well, let's go around the gangway. Lu Tang said the room was on the back corner. Say, Johnny, uh, why don't you wait here? Let me take him. This kind of thing is part of my job. But he's my pigeon, Dan. I found him first. There's a door at the back. That must be it. Yeah, only one it could be. Besides, I'm under arrest. If you left me alone, I might escape. Yeah, yeah, sure. You got a gun, Jim? Yeah. All right. Let's go. We moved quietly up to the blank wooden door opening onto the gangway over the water. There were no windows in the back wall, so we were certain we weren't being watched from inside. We stopped at the door, and McKay reached for the knob and tried it gently. It's unlocked. Good. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. Hey, what the... Hold it, police officers! Drop that gun. Drop it, fast! This doesn't look much like Benny Wong, Johnny. No, it doesn't. Now, look here. What do you, you do, Dean? Go around with a gun in your hand all the time? You're making a mistake, Dollar. I don't know any more about this than you do. Any more about what? What are you doing here, Never Dean? Never mind, Johnny. Here's what he means. Huh? Oh. Well. So we don't talk to Benny. Shot three times. Yeah. Any one of the bullets would have done the job. You weren't taking any chances, were you, Dean? I didn't shoot him. I just got here. How did you know where he was hiding? I didn't. I didn't know anything about him. I got a phone call. Somebody said to meet them here. Said they'd give me the lowdown on the sinking of the Molly K. What somebody? Who was it? I don't know. Man or woman? A uh, man, I think. Voice was muffled, so I came here to meet them. And we find you standing over a dead man with a gun in your hand. I found him like that. I figured it was a trap. I don't know anything about it. Oh, no, of course you don't. You're just a babe in the woods. Hold it, Johnny. Barking up a wrong tree. What do you mean? This man's been dead for several hours. Since early morning, I'd say. And he was shot with a 45. This gun of Sutton's is a 32. So that's that. Johnny, what was the caliber of the gun you saw Captain Brawley wearing? A 45, Dan. I'll put out a bullet and then we'll pick him up. Wind up. The bets were all in. There was nothing more ahead but the showdown. Dan tore up the warrant on me, of course, and I went back to my hotel room to wait it out. That seemed the safest place to be. 
Brawley would be desperate now, half out of his mind. And of all the people he hated most, I was number one. So I lay back on my bed and waited. I reached my gun from the lamp table, moved quietly over to the door, and took hold of the key. Who is it? Let me in, Johnny. Ellen. Just a second. Come on in. Has he been here, Johnny? Has who been here? My father. The last time I saw the captain, he was lying unconscious on a barroom floor. I'd just put him there. That was last night. Yes, I know. Well, what made you think he'd be here? I don't know. Guess I thought... I don't know what I thought. Oh, easy now, honey. I'm scared, Johnny. Hold me, please. I'm so lonely and scared. It's all right, Ellen. Easy now. He came home last night after he fought with you. He was furious. Then he left again, and I haven't seen him since. Does he have his gun with him? I guess so. I don't know. I, I don't know anything. Help me, Johnny, won't you? Of course I will. Hold me tight. Kiss me. Ellen, Last honey, night look. when you kissed me, I wasn't scared then. I was lonely. Look, honey, would you... Hold me, Johnny. Wait a second. Johnny Dollar. Dan McKay, Johnny. Yeah, Dan. We picked up Raleigh on the waterfront a half an hour ago. Thought you'd want to know. What's he say? Denies everything. Says he was home asleep all night. Says his daughter will back him up. Uh-uh. I happen to know different on that. Yeah, I figured he was lying. We'd already been out to his house. Found his gun. Been fired three times, Johnny, and the bullets match. When Ellen Brawley left my room a while later, I still hadn't told her about her father's arrest. I didn't have the heart. She'd tried her best to protect him, cover for him. She'd have done anything to save him. And yet, the irony was that every move she'd made helped tighten the case against him. The scent of her perfume still hung in the air after she'd gone. It was a strange scent, subtle, disturbing. I began to feel uncomfortable, on edge. There was something familiar about that scent. And finally I tagged it. I'd noticed that same perfume in the room on the wharf, where Benny Wong lay murdered. Johnny Dollar. Johnny, I've got it for you. Lou Tang. Good. What did you find out? That prices on the Tokyo grain market did break suddenly, about three weeks ago. Three weeks? Uh-huh. Reason, oversupply. The price has been holding since at about 60% of the peak. A 40% drop, big enough to cause the damage. What damage? The sinking of the Molly K, a double cross, a frame-up, murder. It's as clear as crystal, Lou. Come see me later tonight. Tell me all about it. All right. Or at any rate, come on, tell me about it. Something. About a certain night in Paris, maybe? I think I'd like that very much, Johnny. Wait for me, Lou. I'll be there later. You can count on it. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location San Francisco, to the Home Office Marine and Maritime Casualty Limited, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the Molly K matter. Expense account... Final page. Item 9, 770, long-distance calls to Hartford and New York. I was pretty sure before I called, but I had to check on it. It checked. Item 10, 80 cents, taxi from my hotel to the waterfront office of Inspector Dan McKay, Harbor Police. Uh, it's a funny deal, Johnny. I 
can't figure. Captain Brawley has clammed up tight. Won't answer any more questions. Doesn't want a lawyer. Won't even talk. Funny deal. Not when you consider the fact that he's innocent. What? What you say? I know. I argued the opposite. I was wrong, Dan. What is it, Johnny? Just plain stubbornness? No, but that's what it is with Captain Brawley. Maybe that's the tip-off, his stubborn bullheadedness. The human elements you mentioned. How are you figuring it? If Brawley were in a money jam, he'd never scheme and connive at planning a thing like that of sinking his own ship. He's too stubborn. And besides, he wasn't in a jam, I'm sure of it. Well, now, now wait a minute. He had a $100,000 mortgage to meet. I finagled some information out of the bank. The Brawley Shipping Company has a free balance of nearly $150,000 in cash assets. Yeah, but look here, Johnny. Now, you look. I started out with a motive, and I built a pretty strong case on it. Even you agreed. Everything pointed toward Captain Brawley. Sure, because somebody was helping things point toward him. What do you mean? It wasn't just the ship itself that was insured. I'm still lost, Johnny. Keep talking. All right, look. That cargo of grain was also insured. By the owner with another company, not mine. And for top market value, full price. Yeah, well, keep talking. All right. The Tokyo grain market broke just four days before the Molly K was due to sail the first time. The shipper stood to lose nearly half his investment if the grain reached Yokohama at that time. Well, it didn't reach there. It's lying out there on the bottom of the Pacific. Net result, instead of taking a loss because of price, the shipper gets full price from the insurance company. It adds up, Dan. Yeah, it sure does. The shipper. I think Captain Brawley suspected him, too. That's what kept the old captain on the prod. His ship gone, under suspicion for the sinking, yet not wanting to hurt his daughter. He was caught right in the middle. But keep on holding him to make it look like we still think he's the guilty party. Well, it's that girl of his I feel sorry for, Ellen. She's the one caught in the middle. Yeah, I know. And it's going to be rough on her when she finds out. Engaged to a killer who's been using her to smash her own father. Great setup. Yeah. Well, I'll get a bulletin out. We'll pick up this Dean Sutton and bring him in. Yeah, but you know something? It'll be awful hard to pin it on him. Need evidence, something definite. Look, why don't you let me have a go at him first? Oh, it's out of the question, Johnny. Of course, if you should happen to find him before we do, well... Yeah, yeah I might just do that, Dan. In fact, I've uh, kind of got a hunch I will. <laughs> It was a hunch, but it might be a good one. I left Dan's office and walked east along the waterfront, following the long curve of the Embarcadero with its miles of docks and wharves. The night had settled down over the bay and the city, and with it a dark, damp blanket of fog, even heavier than the night before. And because of that and other reasons, I felt cold and lonesome and alone. I turned off the Embarcadero and walked out Pier 29. I was about 30 yards from the Brawley warehouse when I was suddenly brought up short. On the water below me, tied to a wharf piling, was a light cabin cruiser rocking gently with a swell. It had no business being there. Pier 29 was a commercial berth. My hunch was right. I moved quietly to the edge of the wharf and stood watching the little cruiser for several minutes. There was no sign of life, no sound. Finally, I climbed over the dock rail, down the wharf ladder, and stepped onto the deck. Still no sound, no movement. I moved over to the companionway door leading down below decks and reached out my hand for the latch. Then I stopped short, caught suddenly by a sharp feeling of danger. It wasn't a sense of being watched. It was deeper, more subtle, more vague. I tried to shake it off, reach again for the latch, 
Then the boat shifted slightly and the dim glow from the wharf light overhead moved across the hatchway door. Inches in front of my face, I saw the glint of bare copper wires, all set to make contact if the door was open. One more move and I'd have been blown sky high. That boat was booby-trapped. There was a light burning in the office of the Brawley Shipping Company. I knocked on the door, drew my gun, then I stepped back and waited. I leveled the gun on the door. Johnny! Are you alone, Ellen? Yes, of course. Well, come on, let's get inside. What is it, Johnny? Have you seen Dean Sutton tonight? I tried to find him, but I couldn't. My father's been arrested, charged with murder. Yeah, I know, honey. I came here to go over the company records to see if I could find something that might help him, anything. Ellen, I... Johnny, uh... look. Look at this mess. Somebody's been here. Files dumped in the middle of the floor, papers all over the place. Yeah, looks like they're planning to start a bonfire. Say, tell me something, Ellen. Does Dean Sutton own a boat? Yes. Light cabin cruiser named the Piper. Why? It's tied up at the wharf. He's around here somewhere. Well, what of it? I... What do you mean? Your father didn't sink the Molly Kay. Dean Sutton did it. He wasn't even on board. He didn't have to be. He hired an explosive expert named Benny Wong to do the job. He got your father to take Benny on as steward. That's the man they're accusing father of murdering. Dean is the one who did it, using your father's gun. But why? To collect the insurance on that cargo of grain. Oh, look, I know it's a rough deal, honey, and I know how you feel. But I guess your best bet is to chalk it up to experience. At least your father's in the clear now. I think I sensed it, Johnny. That something was wrong with Dean. Badly wrong. I guess that's why I felt like turning to you instead of him. Why I still feel that way. I think I'm going to cry. Then cry. Cry it out and get it over with. Come here, Ellen. I held her close and tried to comfort her. She pressed her face against my chest and whimpered like a hurt kid. I kept stroking her hair, breathing in the scent of her perfume. Perfume? The same perfume that had hung in the air of the room where Benny Wong was killed. The pieces shifted, fell into place again. The puzzle was finally solved, but too late because I could feel the muzzle of the gun she was pressing against my side. Easy now, Johnny. Turn around slow and get your hands up. That's the idea. Now stay that way. I'm a dead shot, Johnny. You doubt it, ask Benny Wong. Right under my nose. Right from the start. How wrong can a guy be? As wrong as you were, Johnny. It had to be you. There was no chance for Dean to steal your father's gun and then return it. Not unless you were in on it with him. It was my idea. Dean's too weak to plan a thing like that. He has to be propped up and pushed. And you're just the girl to do it. You ought to know. Yeah, I do now. Too bad. I like the way you kiss. Any chance of working something out, Johnny? Or are you too honest? So that's it. The next step is to get rid of Dean. And you've already got the trap set. Not yet. But I'll think of something. I'm clever, Johnny. Don't you think so? I heard footsteps coming along the wharf. Dean Sutton. I had only seconds to think of something, so I took a chance, edged back against the wall, inched over closer to the door. That's far enough. Don't push your luck. There's Dean coming now. He went after some gasoline. We're going to build a nice warm fire, and you're going to have a ringside seat. 
Come on in, Dean. We've got a visitor. Uh, Dollar. What do you know? So you walked right into it. Just like a cop. chance paid off. He walked between us, blocked Ellen's line of fire, and I jumped him. I grabbed him around the neck, held him as a shield, dragged him back out through the door, out to the wharf. Dean! Break loose! Let me get a shot at him! I was trying to get clear of the light before Ellen could blast me with that gun, and I made it. But Dean broke loose, came at me swinging. He slipped and staggered up against the dock. The railing broke, split in two, and we went over the side. We struggled back up to the surface. Dean's hands were clenched on my throat, and I couldn't break his grip. Ellen started firing from the wharf above us, not knowing who she'd hit and not caring. I took a deep breath and dragged Dean under the surface. But his hands were still on my throat, and I couldn't break loose. My lungs were bursting. My strength was going fast. I brought up my knee. He fell away from me. I was free, free to fight my way back up to the surface. I swam around in circles, getting my breath, watching for Dean. But he didn't come up. He didn't come up for two days. When I climbed up the ladder under the wharf, Alan was nowhere in sight. I heard somebody running toward me, saw the flashing red light back at the land end of the pier, and I knew why she'd left. Dan McKay and his boys. Johnny! Johnny! Hey, over here, Dan. Are you all right, Johnny? Yeah, I'm all right. Do you see Ellen Brawley? Well, some girl ran up the wharf there toward that cruiser. That boat's got a booby trap on it. Come on, Dan. All right. What's she doing here? She was in on it, too. Dean's in the water, drowned, I guess. Look, there she is, climbing down off the wharf. Ellen, stop. She's on the cruiser. No. Ellen! She's going to try... Look out! Get down! Flat on your face if she opens that hand. Blown to bits. Booby trap. They had it rigged for me, and she... No... She didn't know about it. That wasn't meant for me. They were both pulling a double cross. Dean set that trap for her. End of expense account, except hotel and plane fare back home. Total, $547.60. Well, it looks like the company pays off on this one, Dave. The ship owner was innocent. But you'll make it back. I really feel sorry for Captain Brawley. He commanded his own quarterdeck for 25 years, strong and proud and unafraid. He had a wife once named Molly Kay and a ship named Molly Kay. And he had a daughter, too. And now the sea has taken all of them away from him and left him cast up on the beach, a broken old man. Bitter, beaten, alone. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here's our star, Bob Bailey, to tell you about next week's story. Thanks. Next week, the case of a man who didn't exist, except for one thing. He suddenly showed up. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by Les Crutchfield, the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Virginia Gregg, Peter Leeds, Barney Phillips, Victor Perrin, James McCallion, and High Averback. 
Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. Welcome back. There are some good things to be said about these episodes. Solid acting. I think Barney Phillips in particular. I mean, Captain Brawley was only in episodes one and three, I believe. But we really got such a solid performance in terms of having an idea why people would be nervous about being seen on the wrong side as this uh, character. Also, I love Lu Tang and the Johnny and Lu Tang scenes together. It's a really fun, sort of flirty energy that adds some depth to Johnny's character. And I think Lu Tang is a good guest character. Given that Virginia Gregg is the only actress listed in the credits, it can be assumed that she played both Lu Tang and Ellen, two very different characters. But we have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that elephant is the sloppy resolution to the case. And I think sloppy's a fair word, because part four ends with Johnny realizing that all of Ellen's efforts have only made her father look more guilty, and then remembers smelling her perfume at the scene of Benny Wong's murder. Whereas part five starts, there is no consideration of Ellen as a potential participant in the events. And then Johnny once again uh, recalls her perfume, this time when she draws a gun on him. Obviously, the perfume should only have been used once. And the realization at the end of part four should have meant that Johnny didn't go through part five being a total sap about Ellen's uh, culpability. Uh, there are a couple of reasons for why this could have happened. It could be a case that it was an error by the writer Les Crutchfield. As we heard on the trans-specific matter, the Molly K matter was a story that was always intended to be the second uh, story for yours truly, Johnny Dollar. It's possible that part of the script was written, but not finished until things were nailed down more, and Crutchfield had other projects, other scripts he was working on for future Johnny Dollar series or the Gunsmoke TV series where he was also a writer. 
And by the time it was time to finish it up, he had forgotten what he wrote at the end of part four. Or it's possible that he submitted updated scripts, but somehow there was a mistake made at the network. And the production was given an old script for episode four that would contradict the continuity in episode five. Of course, either way, ultimate responsibility falls to Jack Johnstone. That's what the whole statement, the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone means. Although, I don't believe that there was any other error this big during the serial era. And part of that may be due to the fact that Johnstone eventually started recording Johnny Dollar three weeks ahead of time. And I've always thought that that practice was in case you had an ill actor, then you would have some flexibility. But perhaps part of it, too, was creating a little bit of a workflow so you could catch these kind of errors before they went on the air. Even beyond the main continuity error, you also have the fact that Johnny says that Brawley's uh, company has $300,000 in the bank, which is something he really should have found out much earlier because that really reduces motive substantially. To be fair to Johnny, Brawley was acting very much like a suspect in how he was refusing to cooperate, how he was scaring people who might want to cooperate. But the idea of Brawley as stubborn does explain it, and I think there's a really interesting real-world phenomena where people will do things that set off the spotty senses of folks who investigate various organizations or businesses or what have you by acting in ways that lead the authorities to conclude that uh, you're hiding something. But then on further investigation, it turns out Nope, they're not actually hiding anything at all. Sometimes it's because they have some great principle. Other times it's because they don't think it's your business, regardless of if the law says it's your business or not. Or if some rules or whatever uh, sit there and shave against them, they really have an issue with that authority. We also can hear another reason is that they just do not trust the authority in particular. With Captain Brawley, his view of insurance companies are that their investigative requirements are merely attempts to avoid payment. And Brawley was also of the view that the insurance company was unethical, and so was Johnny, and he was willing to do whatever it took to not pay the claim, even if it meant trying to tarnish Brawley's good name. So it's a fascinating story where just because someone acts like they're guilty, uh, and I guess we could put quotes uh, around that, it does not necessarily make it so. 
Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Barbara. Barbara has been one of our Patreon supporters since July of 2019, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Barbara. And that will actually do it for today. A reminder, if you want to be sure to never miss an episode, follow this podcast using your favorite podcast software, including TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. And if you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But join us back here tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... There, Ranger. Suitcase and lunch spread out on that there rock. I just can't figure it. I want my mama. Now, Tommy, don't cry. Everything's gonna be all right. I want my mama. What's your other name, Tommy? Tell me what. Tommy, who else? Oh, now, Tommy, whoa, let's not run away. Come here, son. We're going to find your mama. Clay, take a look around. See if you can find anything. Sure, Jason. What's that? What? Oh, that's my badge. What's it for? Well, uh, where? Tommy, where's your daddy? Didn't he come with you? My daddy's in heaven. I see. Where do you live, Tommy? I don't know if it'll help any ranger, but he said they lived in the place where there were chickens and they have a horse named Robin. Uh-huh. Well, did you walk over here from your house, Tommy? Yeah. We got thirsty. He said they rode in a car this morning. Yeah, might have got a lift partway. Where were you going, Tommy? To Aunt Sylvie's. Yes. Now, what is it, Clay? Come on over here a second. Can I go with you? Oh, you stay here, Tommy. I'll be right back. Yeah, Tommy, yeah. You stay here with me, and if you're real good, I'll let you ride one of my horses. What'd you find? Some tracks here lead into the brush. Yeah, let's see where they go. You figure the woman could have run off and left the kid? Maybe. Doesn't seem likely she'd take off into the brush like this. Yeah, you're probably right. She left her suitcase, too, if she... Hey, Jace. Look at that. Yeah, another set of tracks coming in at an angle. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.